you're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money Podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick, Portfolio Manager with WLWP Wealth Planners IA Private Wealth, and Colin White, Portfolio Manager with Varican Capital Management, Inc. Colin and Josh here. Next episode of Bare Naked Money coming at you. How's your summer going, Colin? Spectacular. I'm out here in the South Kootenays enjoying relatively smoke-free weather and looking at mountains and having a great time. How about you? Yeah, can't argue with that. Yeah, going to a friend's cottage this weekend, so definitely looking forward to that, enjoying the outdoors, enjoying the sunshine. Well, you know what we're enjoying more, Josh? Podcasting? No, what we're going to podcast about. All right. Yeah. Wasn't, so, wasn't there spectacularly good news? Like like unbelievably good news? Wasn't yeah. That what, what happened? Yeah. Well, <laughs> depends who you ask, I guess. But uh, yeah, so I got this idea for a podcast. As you know, Colin, I spent some time in New Zealand last year and I saw Guns N' Roses play when I was in New Zealand. And bear with me for a second. I'm going to land this plane. But one of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs is is civil war and at the start of civil war the guy says there, there's like a little bit of a monologue at first it says what we've got here is a failure to communicate and it's actually a quote from cool hand luke but recently i was thinking looking at a headline and thinking damn we just do such a bad job of communicating some of these ideas to people and i think what you're referring to is case in point slapping us in the face yesterday with this maybe problematic way that we tend to communicate ideas that are pretty damn important to people yes the the nuance does get lost for sure and you know there's the whole idea about uh you know what is truth what is everybody's truth who's got a dog in the fight what's their bias what's their angle and how that shapes how messages are are put together and and how they're transmitted and how they're received you know those those are all vital steps in, in communication, you know, um, because is true. There's only one version of the truth, Josh. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Like we should, there's just one story, like one version that, that, that we should be communicating. You're getting philosophical on me earlier in this podcast than I expected. <laughs> I, I think there, there are facts, which are pretty black and white, but you can use those facts to tell different truths. And it's not that they're falsehoods, but they might be a misrepresentation of the reality. There's a great expression, and I've lost it in the sands of time, but it uh, it begins with numbers are not things. They are symbols for things. They may or may not accurately reflect the thing, but they're not things. The answer to a mathematical equation is not the answer to a problem. So, you know, and I think that's kind of what you're alluding to. I mean, the fact that the the consumer price index dropped 2.8% year over year within the stated range of the Bank of Canada, that's a fact. Now, how you interpret that fact or what you take, I mean, if you just, if you take it at its face value and that's all you look at, you go, oh, that's good. Well, that's, you you've you know you've drawn one conclusion from that, but might not be the whole story. Well, yeah, but okay. So there's all there's often, and probably usually, and maybe even always more to the story than 
you can present in a headline. But mm-hmm. I think the the way that we've been seeing this number presented is, oh, good, we're within range, but it's still a catastrophe. Like the house is still on fire. This is what's being presented. But I think if you asked, like, let's go back to a year ago and you said, okay, we get back to with under, under the 3% level for CPI for inflation. Are we good? A year ago, we would have said, yeah, that's awesome. We're, we're there. We're there. We're within range. That's where we should be. But today, as it's being presented, it's not like that at all. It's like the house is still on fire. Like the fire truck might be here, but the house is still on fire. Well, yeah. I mean, Tiff Macklin should be on an aircraft carrier somewhere in the middle of the Gulf declaring you know, operation complete. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's really the vision that we should want to see right now. But you know, that's not what's gone on. And, I, and as we talked a little bit about this, I mean, the problem, or sorry, the situation is, is that everybody's paying attention to this number. So everybody's looking for this number. Everybody clicked on the news story that talked about this number. Okay, now that they have your attention, they need to keep it. So what is still scandalous about this number? What are still the problems inherent in this number? Why is this still, you know, a, a story to keep watching? You know, so that becomes, you know, that's, you know, I've said this before, what's the business model? The business model is to keep your attention. It's not to say, you know, here's the information, you know, you're welcome. It's, oh, you're looking? You should keep looking because other stuff's going to happen. You know, it's this, this, you know, yeah, yeah, gasoline's fine. That We're not, energy's fine. But look, look, look at this, this one small aspect or this big aspect of things that still isn't right. And that's how they're going to keep your attention. And it's trying to keep you at it. Well, it's almost trying to keep people at a sustainable level of fear. Like, you know, I don't want to burn you out. Like, I don't want to make you so anxious that you just, you know, cease to function. I need to keep you anxious enough that you need a 15-minute update from me on this topic every day in order to survive. That's where I need to keep you. And going back to your, and I and I love the, the, the way we're coming at this, you know, what is the truth? You know, because, again, that's on its surface, that's what everybody wants. Well, what is the truth? Well, to a certain extent, the truth can be what you want it to be. I, I don't know if you've checked the news today, but Christian Freeland is very happy that the government has brought inflation down to where it is. Now, I'm not sure that that's you know, how other people would you know frame you know this this accomplishment that we're all talking about today. But you know, again, what is what is the truth? I mean, what is the definition of truth? So if if you're writing the true headline or the true opening paragraph for this, this, this information that we've received over the last 24 hours, how would he put it? Well, I think the, the, the only, for me, 2.8% is within the Bank of Canada target. This will lead to less pressure on the Bank of Canada to hike interest rates anymore. That's pretty much all that you can draw from this. You know, that that's all. If, if if you're just looking at that one number, there's less pressure. That doesn't mean Bank of Canada is not going to raise, but there is now less pressure on the Bank of Canada to raise rates. Now, the 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 bigger issue is it's more nuanced than that because they're tracking internally the momentum on various aspects of inflation because it's it's based on where we're measuring from. Like we're measuring from a year ago, so there's been trends over that year that have contributed to where it is right now. Now, if those trends have exhausted themselves, like I was just looking back at interest rates again for another conversation I'm having, the bank account of interest rate in the early 90s was like 
And it went from 14% to about basically 0% in 2008 or 2009. You know, that's a trend, you know, and that trend had impacts on other aspects like housing prices and things of that nature. But if you're sitting in, in 2009, when, you know, things hit that level, it's like, okay, that trend's pretty much done because it can't go negative, you know, so that's not all that helpful going forward as to what's coming next. So a lot of these conversations are, are very, very nuanced and knowing a truth is very, very difficult and really depends on where you put the box as to what you're looking at. You know, I think that the, the headline is 2.8%. The conclusion is, yeah, it's less likely rates are going to go up. Mm-hmm. If you want to dig into it more, then there's a whole bunch more in there. Well, you know, we still have, you know, food inflation is still a big issue, which is, you know, impactful and, and it's important, you know, and, you know, the, the labor market is still really good and that's perplexing people and we don't understand it, you know, and unfortunately, the headlight or the, the the flashlight we're following around is looking for the disaster, you know, look, looking for the lurking monster because that's what everybody's going to want to read about. Now, I've been making the comment within our group over the last you know few weeks. It's like, well, maybe this is what a soft landing feels like. You know, this may, this might be what I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's what's going on, but the news doesn't seem to be as bad as maybe we thought it was going to be, and it doesn't seem to be getting any worse. Everybody's uncomfortable looking for it and trying to find the next thing, but maybe this is just the uncomfortableness that comes with things naturally reaching a conclusion. I'm not sure. But what is, is that, is that a truth? I mean, I, I love the concept. I, I, I love every time I say something, I'm going to think, well, what is the truth? And, you know, we should be chasing truths, I think, but I, I don't know the world lends itself conveniently or comfortably to determining a truism. Okay, sure. Uh, I guess when I, again, coming back to this, the way that this has been communicated, I think we can, your, your explanation of it, what I think was really effective. That, the, the sort of the headline, the conclusion, great. That's awesome. And can we just dial down the emergency-ness of, of the communication a little bit? Like everybody's, the, the communications, I shouldn't say everybody, but the communications that I've seen have been very much still alarmist almost. Yeah. It's like, great, we got to where we said we needed to be. It's almost like we're moving the goalposts. Great, we got there. We're, we're right between the goalposts. But I'm going to shift the goalposts a little bit further and say that we're still in an emergency. And I think that's, it's problematic because it leads to, it, it can potentially lead to the wrong behavior and maybe uh, an overly pessimistic view or or negativity uh amongst the world amongst people who are really trying to make financial decisions well absolutely i mean but the weakness in, in what i said was that it doesn't lead to anything actionable you know and everybody's looking it's like you know what do i do it, it depends you know if if you know the more alarming she is like you know, this is what's happening you need to to call to action like that's mm. what's going to get people's attention. I mean, Jim Cramer, when he's doing his show and all the sound effects and he's banging buttons and bulls are shooting under the screen and stuff, the gamification of news is huge. And that and that's what draws people's attention. And that's a very real thing. So the way I described it is completely unsellable. That's 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 as boring as toast. I'm never gonna get an appearance on, you know, CNN talking like that. So that's not what the apparatus is looking for you need to be more definitive it's like you know this is the real problem and here is what you need to do to it's the whole snakes and ladders thing right dig a hole 
throwing some snakes and give a ladder. If you, if you keep that equation in your head, as you're listening to something, you'd be amazed at how often that fits because that is, is compelling. And at a time when, and I'm, I'm on the TikTok train because I've been told this is how we're going to communicate going forward. So everyone, you can scroll through TikTok and get like 15 second dopamine dumps on, you know, funny cats, you know, people doing stupid stuff. And it's, it is addictive and it's gamified and it's all those things. And that's where people's attention goes. So if your business model is getting people's attention, you have to play that game to a level. And if you want to be excellent at your game, you got to play that game really well. And saying it's like, well, the Bank of Canada might not have to cut rates anymore. That's that. That's not exciting. That's not declarative. That's not something people are going to hear. The three things you need to do just in case maybe this doesn't happen. It's not as compelling. Yeah. Interestingly, bond interest rates uh, basically flat today are up like very, very minorly. So uh, not maybe exactly what you'd expect when you see the inflation numbers come in the way that they did. But as an offshoot to... The way that this specific communication has been done on inflation, I I was thinking more broadly and more generally, it doesn't seem like we communicate well to people. When I say we, I'm just talking about the general, we, the general media, uh, the general investment industry, if you want to call it that, what inflation actually is, what it's bad, what it should be. It, if, if 5% is bad, if 1% is good, it's... People don't really seem to fundamentally understand inflation. No, because it's it's different for everybody. You know, again, and we've I've, we've done podcasts and presentations on this before. For a period in in the nineties into the two thousands, tuition was going up at thirteen percent a year in Canada. If you're put if you're going through university, that's a big deal. Oh no, wait, there's more nuance to that. the The number of of scholarships being handed up by universities went up proportionally. So more kids were getting free rides at university. So, you know, again, it's what's in your world is way more important. And the other thing is we'll, we'll, we'll talk about inflation in past tense. Like this is last month in June. So you already did all your groceries in June. You already spent all your money in June. You've already lived through that inflation in June. And we're talking about it in July. And it's like now you're, oh my God, things are, things are going up. No, no, things went up. It's already affected your life. You have already been at the grocery store and said, I'm not buying chicken. I'm going to buy pork right now. Or look, fish is cheaper. I'm going to buy fish right now. You've already adjusted to this number that's come out. And, you know, they're talking, and it's, it, it is a historical number. This month may be different. My favorite podcast, if, or one of my favorite podcasts, if you want to go back to is, Josh, when you were buying your house, because you bought your house almost exactly when somebody rang the bell and the market changed. Yep. You know, because we were, we were looking at numbers from the month before. It's like, oh my God, this is still you know, crazy, crazy. And you're in the middle of it going, doesn't seem that crazy mm -hmm. okay but i guess it is you know so there was kind of an echo effect you know because you're living your life in real time the, the economic numbers are going to come out the following month or a quarter later you know to, to tell you how what was going on there and people try to use that for information to decide what what to do in the here and now that can be fraught especially when things are changing as rapidly as they have changed over the last 18 months say yeah if you ask you're just anyway, you pull somebody off the street, <clears throat> you say, I'm going to give you your, your prices are getting increased on everything that you buy for 2% for the rest of your life. You think they'll be happy about that or sad about that? Or ambivalent? I, I, I think they'd be sad. Because the prices are stuff. going up, They're, right? Yeah, they, 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 exactly. They don't want the stuff that they're, 
because again, they, they score it as that's my, my lifestyle is getting more expensive. Yeah. Okay. Now you take that same person and say, your income is all going to be adjusted for inflation for the rest of your life as well. So if inflation is 2% per year for the rest of your life, your income is going to go up at 2% for the rest of your life. You think they're going to be happy, sad, or ambivalent? I, I, if they're later in life and they've got the risk profile of somebody who is in retirement, then I think they're going to be happy with that. Because many people, if they get to a sustainable point, their fear is that they would lose that standard of living that they have. So yeah, I think that I am going to be boldly and, and be bold and say, yeah, they'd be happy. Okay. So let me ask this. You go to that same person, you say, prices of all your goods are going to go down by 2% every year for the rest of your life. Do you think they're more happy or less happy than the situation where inflation, when prices go up by 2% every year? I would like to think that they would think that's too good to be true. So I'm not <laughs> going to count on it. That's what I'd like to think. Yeah. Because you're proposing something that hasn't happened. Yes. And you start talking deflation, then you're going to, we're going to have to have a whole new podcast to talk about what deflation looks like and the effects on an economy. Well, no, no doubt. No doubt. And I think we, we understand as, uh, having had the conversation or the education, uh, from an economic sense, what that can mean. But I think it, it's a bit of an abstract concept, isn't it? That, Hey, I'm just going to be okay with prices going up of everything for the rest of my life. Why can't they go down by a little bit every year? Why should they go up every year? And why does that, why does the Bank of Canada actually target one to 3%? What, what, what is that? No, why don't they target zero? No, no, it's a solid question. I mean, the human condition is, gets back to, to, to human physiology. It's, you know, growth. Things are always getting better. Now, whether they are or they are not, there's been periods in history when they get way better and periods in history when they haven't. But you'd like to think that things are going to get a little bit better every year. And so it's, you know, the idea of growth is is very, very important and very, very valued. So to think that your income is going to grow, yeah, ex expenses are going to go up a little bit. But if my income grows a little bit better, then that that's a comfortable state. Like if you can have that hope, then that's a comfortable state. Because you're right, it's abstract. You start measuring, I mean, let's, we can get into the lunacy of tracking the consumer price index because, again, we're comparing it back to periods of time where there were no computers. You know, cars didn't have airbags. You know, there were, you know, TVs were floor model TVs. You know, radios were expensive. I mean, the, the, the change in what we buy and how we spend our money is very, very large. And to have an economist sit and make a judgment call as to what goes into this basket or doesn't go into this basket. I mean, we start talking about, well, you know, everybody's got a cell phone now. So cell phone plans have got to go into the CPI. It's like, Really? Cell phone plans need to be? Really? Okay. So all of a sudden that becomes a thing, right? So individuals have the capacity to change their consumption based on economic conditions. So the fact that consumer price will score, you know, the exact same amount of beef is going to be bought regardless of the price when it comes to groceries is it, not real world because people will just pivot. So, you know, when it specifically comes to groceries, you know, if you have a static basket, that's not how I do groceries. I don't think that's how anybody does groceries. If you go in and something's priced at an obscene level, you can buy something else. I mean, there's very, very few things in the grocery cart that, you know, you're going to buy regardless of the price. And, you know, so the effect on an individual is very specific. 
the, it, now the effect of the news. So the guys, my groceries went up 9%. I don't know. Did they? That was last month. Did you notice you spent 9% more in your groceries last month? Well, no, I spend, you know, 250 bucks every time I go. Then you didn't have any inflation last month. You're eating different. There might be different stuff in your, you know, hey, you bought some seasonal vegetables because, you know, in Canada now there's all kinds of seasonal vegetables showing up. You know, so your, your diet changed a little bit, maybe not for even for the worse, right? So it's it's abstract, and that's a very good word. It's a very good point, you know, the uh, the concept of uh, inflation, but it's so fun to talk about. Like, it's so engaging. It's, seen, it's a symbol of something that's, 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 that's a big deal. How effectively it represents that? I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. It does influence policy and it influences, you know, indexation of pensions and, and things of that nature. So it's it's not irrelevant by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think it means everything that everybody thinks it means. Yeah. And maybe there's just no way to communicate an abstract concept in simple and understandable and actionable terms. Maybe I'm asking for something that's never going to exist. But having a bit more of a fundamental understanding. And again, maybe I'm asking people to do more work than they care to do or ask more questions than they care to ask. But I think we could probably as as a as a whole, as a universe, push people a little bit more in this direction to ask a little bit more, get again, get a bit better of a fundamental understanding of some of this stuff. Well, and that's our that's our underpinning. Like in, in doing these podcasts and, and and our practice and everything we do, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to give a useful take on information so that people can use it for decision making, not over rely on it, not count on things they shouldn't count on. Take what they can out of things and and use it for better decision making. That's our angle. That that that's the way we're trying to use information. It's not. Like we haven't monetized this podcast. It's not like we've got 50,000 subscribers and we're making money off our podcast. So the world that is out there monetizing their points of view are, are going to take a different tact. So information can be used to support different truths. And you know, perhaps there is more than one truth attributable to any particular fact. There are things that are way outside the realm of anything that's that's reasonable, right? But there, there are more than one ways to take a look at the, the CPI number. There's more than one way to look at that number and say, well, what does it mean really? And different players can make it mean different things based on what their objectives are. You know, the, 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 the Canadian government's going to say, look how good we are. How much credit can they take for it? I'd argue maybe not as much as they want. In fact, I'd argue that this has happened in spite of them in many regards, but they're going to take credit for it because it happened on their watch. And in their defense, they would have taken the blame if it had gone sideways. So, Sorry, when you say they would have taken the blame if it went sideways, do you mean they would have stood up there and said, yes, this is my fault or that that we would would have have blamed blamed. (laughs) them? We would have blamed them. There you go. There you you go. (laughs) Important distinction. Thank you. (laughs) So as we move on from, from inflation, are there other ideas or concepts that you think are often miscommunicated? That's a really tough question. I think that we try to consume things in bite-sized chunks when there's way more nuance to it. We try to draw conclusions way quicker than it's maybe warranted, and we've got way more confidence in those conclusions. And you know, you, you can go up and down the financial spectrum as, as all these things. I mean, you get into a conversation about you know what is the right interest rate for a mortgage, 
right? So what's what's the truth there? Well, I don't think there's I don't think that's a situation where there is a truth, other than if you take a variable mortgage, you may or may or may not be in a better position when you know as rates change. It's it, it, the truth is not that there's one better than the other. The truth is that it's it's a risk, and you're trying to manage it. Right. You know, I just think it back to the inflation again because I'm getting held up on that. There, I've I've been looking for this quote because the uh, I guess is the president. I'm going to misquote it here. The president of the central bank of um, of New New Zealand, and he basically told everybody talking about poor communication. He basically told everybody like, just reset your inflation expectations, and inflation will go down. It's like. Oh, that's all we need to do. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do that. No problem. <laughs> he said, spend, "Spend less at Christmas, demand less of a raise, and inflation will go down." It's like, okay, I, I wish it was that easy, right? You're trying to influence millions of people to do something like that, but I can't find the exact quote. It's, it was hilarious. Well, no, no. I mean, I I threw that thing up on LinkedIn a little while ago because, again. It, it, we're at the situation now where the regulators are going to get back involved in, you know, setting more stringent requirements for lending because people have pushed the envelope so far. And I was lamenting, it's like, just once I'd like the human condition to be such that we all just voluntarily pulled back from the edge so that, you know, we didn't have to have regulatory, you know, bodies come in and fix these things. If you just behaved a little more rationally, like as 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 a the human condition, if it was a bit more rational, we wouldn't need to have these interventions because again, people push themselves to the limit, and there's all kinds of reasons internally, and the system will want you to push yourself to the limit that we overextend ourselves over and over again, and then we need to have regulatory relief from that, and it's painful when we get to that stage. We could see this coming, like we could see that there was going to be a correction. You know, if everybody just taken a taken a breath, it's patience. Patience is the thing, right? I mean, people are asking now about buying a house, and it's like, well, be patient. Like, don't don't feel it's any kind of you know urgency that you have to have do it right away. Otherwise, you're missing out on something. Wait until you can do it comfortably. And being patient right now could mean that prices will drop a little bit, or at least stay where they are for a while while your wage goes up. But you could put yourself in a much better spot over the next little bit by being patient. Where everybody gets in trouble, both individually and on a macroeconomic level, is being impatient. I need this now. I, 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 need, I, I could afford this. They pre-approved me for a $2 million mortgage. That must be what I can afford. No, it, it, it isn't what you can afford. Stop it. So if there could be more patience, then I think that we could have better outcomes with, with less bad outcomes. Yeah, well, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> if you can just influence the entire population to be more patient and be more rational, we'll be just fine. Well, see, on my planet, which I'm convinced that I'm going to go back to one day, that's how it works <laughs> because I, I have trouble fitting in on this planet. Yeah. Well, that'll be an interesting planet. I'll look forward to reading a book about it one day. One of the books I've read recently, <laughs> there is a uh, a foreign planet. is a sci-fi book and the foreign the alien population, they could not communicate anything uh, that wasn't a truth. <laughs> so it was really, really interesting concept actually, but kind of what we're, what we're talking about here, this alien population, they, they didn't have any verbal communication that was different from their internal communication. So their internal communication was basically broadcast to everybody that was around them. <laughs> so 
it was people were very transparent, if you want to call it that. So, hey, if, if, if we if we could make that happen for all of our politicians and central bankers and stuff, that'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we want to hear everybody's thoughts at all times. I, I'd watch it. That that would be watchable for me. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Well, speaking of uh, of central bankers, so th- this is another thing where I think it maybe it's not miscommunicated, but what is communicated is is often misconstrued because we are so intent now on focusing on what the central bank is doing and what the central bank is saying that it seems like investors are more and more taking this to heart at the projections that the central bankers make. And you had a great example of this at a recent presentation where you went to this presentation, they showed you at the presentation, the presenter said, this is what the central bank was projecting a month ago for the interest rate uh, path over the remainder of the year. And then he said, well, this is what they're projecting today. And they are two quite different projections. So the natural question for you, maybe thinking a little bit deeper than most was, well, why should I trust the numbers today? And if we go back historically and look at the data, look at the numbers, it's like, why should you ever trust the numbers? Because a year ago, they were way different than the projection. The projections a year ago are way different from where we ended up. And the projections going forward are way different today than they were a month ago, a year ago, or anything like that. And we have seen historically that central banks they are not that great at projecting where their interest rates are going to end up. So why do we listen to it? Well, the same reason we look up in the skies and try to figure out whether it's going to rain or not. You know, the the entire history of humankind has been about predicting the future. And we the the, the market for predictions is way, way bigger than the supply of reliable predictions. You know, but it doesn't stop people from hoping. And the thing about central bankers is they're trying to influence the economy in a certain direction that meets with it, what their, their goals are. So I, I, I truly believe this, that, you know, Ted will stand up and give a speech. He runs to the back room and then takes a look to see what the immediate response is and see if things are moving in the direction he wanted to move them. And he'll be happy if he doesn't have to carry through and actually do anything. If he can move things by talking, then his job is done, you know, but they're, they are going to continue to adjust and they should continue to adjust their course as new information becomes available. That's what we should expect of them. You know, what we should stop relying on so much is when they say what they're going to do for the next year. The market seems to want that. The market seems to guess that. And there are those who make their living trading on that, you know, what expectations are. There's a whole mechanism around that that's got nothing to do with an individual making decisions with regards to their personal financial situation. So if you're going to consume this as entertainment, knock yourself out. It can be a little interesting. But if you think you're learning anything that's going to help you decide whether you should go fixed or variable in your mortgage, no, 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 no. It's 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 not going to help you. I don't care how many Sunday editions of the Globe and Mail you sit and read. You're going to be no further ahead because things are going to change and they're going to change materially. We're walking through this right now. Right now, we're going through a period of time where things are not turning out the way anybody was projecting them and we're catching up. We're we're reacting, we're reacting to things as they as they happen, and you should. Nobody's financial plan that I've you know worked with over the last thirty years included a period of oh all of a sudden we're going to get eight percent inflation for a while and then it's going to go back to two or three. This but this is a material blip like this is this is changing the direction so you should react to it, 
and when you react to it, don't project it forward that this is going to continue in a straight line because it isn't. Learn something. Just say, okay, what are the risks right now? And how do I how do I personally want to handle these risks? If you can do a mortgage right now, and again, we said this in our last podcast, it's if the fixed rate is a comfortable payment for you and you don't want to be thinking every day, every week, every month about where interest rates are, sure, go ahead and do that. You know, if you're going to do a variable, you need to make sure you have the capacity to deal with bad news. Like don't do a variable at your absolute limit because now you're setting yourself up for failure. That's a risk you shouldn't take. You know, that's the way to deal with the uncertainty. It's not to think you know something. Again, it's not what you don't know is going to hurt you. It's what you think you know for sure that just ain't so. Like if you're sure because you read that article on the weekend that interest rates are going to blah, blah, now you're in trouble because nobody should be sure. The people setting rates aren't sure. You think we'd be better off as consumers of news if every time we put out a prediction of the future, there is a a disclaimer before it in the immediately preceding sentence that said, for the record, these predictions are inherently unreliable and probably have a 0% success rate over time or 10% or 5% or whatever it is. Really? You think we're one disclaimer away from fixing the world, Josh? <laughs> you think that's how simple it is? I, I'm just Isn't asking. It? I'm asking if you think we'd be better. Does that, will people, will that make us better off by people understanding that? Or will people just look right past it and say, well, I, I'm still looking at the projection here and I'm, I'm basing it, basing my life off of that anyway. In the entire history of disclaimers, I'm not sure that they've ever had the effect expected because, again, in the financial industry is a great example of what commissions are being paid. So there's some pretty egregious commission schedules out there over the years. If you go back into the 90s, there's really egregious commission schedules out there. So it's like, well, if we disclose this to the clients and they make choice, then it's an open market. Therefore, the market will correct for this. Well, guess what? It didn't because people you know, get disclosed so much. I mean, have you read the Apple Care Agreement? No. Nobody's read the Apple Care Agreement, but there's a lot of disclosures in there, right? I had to update my Call of Duty profile here recently, and I had to read through all of the disclaimers for Call of Duty. I just wanted to start. So you flip to the end, you say yes, and you're in. So I'm not sure. In fact, no, I am I am sure. Very few times I'm sure that putting a disclaimer on the news is going to help anything. People are still going to flock to it. And it's the study that you referenced, you were talking about on the, the, the podcast. I forget it was podcasting or TikTok. I forget where it was that you, you know, again, the more outside of the normal an opinion is, the more likely it is to be viewed, right? And that inverse relationship between the truth and attention, you know, the, the studies are now coming up and, and, and showing us what we know to be true. You know, that's a thing. You know, and at a time where content creation is relatively easy, people are going to create content that's going to get eyeballs because that's a business model, and it's not going to be for the public good. That's not that's not the motivation. So it, another one that that kind of I don't know grinds my gears might be a little strong, but we see it communicated so much about job layoffs. From different companies, company X laid off 10,000 people, company Y laid off 5% of its workforce, whatever. And it, just to, to be clear, this is very meaningful for those people that got laid off and never a fun experience, I'm sure. 
But to take this and turn it into something that is actionable or useful for people, I think is just totally misguided. Businesses are for-profit entities and they operate to maximize, for the most part, the profits that they're making. And there's going to be layoffs. There's been layoffs as, as long as time and there will continue to be layoffs. Every organization does it to some extent that is for a for-profit organization. But it doesn't really tell you anything, especially from an investment perspective. And I think some people misconstrue that. Well, no, because again, it's just the thing. And again, my experience, all right, so I worked in the fishing industry back in the late 80s, early 90s. And when the plant would announce they're laying off 1,500 people, I was in the office when we had 2,000 applicants for the 1,500 layoffs because it, everybody wanted that layoff. You know, they yeah, put me on EI for the summer, right? So it, it, the news is like, oh my God, this is terrible. These people are at work. We're at the plant going, well, no, we need some of these people to stay working and they don't want to work. You know, so <laughs> yeah. the, the headline wasn't the actual story. Yeah, Everybody it's not always it a bad terrible. thing. It's not always a bad, a bad thing, right? So sometimes, sometimes it's horrible. Yeah. Other times it isn't. Most yeah. of the time it's just a thing because, yeah. again, with the current labor market, there's a lot of opportunities out there. You know, So on a macroeconomic level, I think that's more valuable. If we go back to are we on the right path or just where interest rates going, all that kind of stuff. You know, if there were, we're seeing bad numbers in employment, which we haven't, but if we see bad macroeconomic numbers, okay, that's a thing. That's information. You now that's, that can tell you whether the pressure on the Bank of Canada is in one direction or the other. Notice I didn't say what the Bank of Canada is going to do because there's never one variable that drives them. There's, it's always an aggregate so that that may change that. But again, the local news is going to say, they just laid off, you know, 3,000 people at the call center or the plant or whatever. Locally, yeah, that's big news. That's important news. That's going to affect that community. That's going to affect businesses in that community. But it doesn't inform anybody from an investor standpoint. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that, that one piece of information is not going to be helpful. And I guess that's where some of my gripes come from on this stuff is we always are kind of looking through it uh, through an investment lens. So the great example, the tangible example of this layoff thing is when we were buying Shopify shares last year, there are a bunch of layoffs going on at the same time. And again, like people look at these headlines and say, well, that's like, why would you buy shares in a company that's laying people off? And you can look at it from a bunch of different angles, but the actual fact that they're laying people off does not factor into any decision that we're doing. From, from an investment perspective, really. Anything anything measured in one dimension is going to have huge issues at some point. And this goes for a stock, a company. This goes for anything you're looking at. If you look at it in one dimension, if you have, if you have a, a bonus program at work that, you know, hey, you're going to get a bonus based on, on gross sales, that's terrible because people are going to screw the system to get that one number. And there's a whole bunch of other things like profitability and, you know, customer service. There's all kinds of things that can go by the wayside. Anything you look at, do, or reward in one dimension, you're opening yourself up to very, very material risk. And to say, well, Shopify's laying people off, therefore it's a bad investment. No, but the same, but the same token, they just hired 10,000 people. They, they must be a great place to invest. That's not true either. Like it's part of a really complicated look at a company it's just it's just one data point yeah what else you got well i think i've talked through everything that i have on truth and lack of truth and uh, 
I guess in closing, remember, if you if you haven't paid to be there, you are the product, and they're trying to keep your eyeballs. So it's for entertainment purposes only. They're not trying to educate you. That's not their goal. That's not the business model you're looking at. And if you have a question, you develop a thought, you draw a conclusion, give us a call, and we'll discuss it a little bit and see if you're in a good good direction or a dangerous direction. Uh, because you know, you never know until you get some perspective. I think you just called our entire audience the product. Yes. Well, actually, no. Yes. No. Wow. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> All right. Tune into the next podcast because I'm going to sit back and think about that to figure out whether you're the product. That's the truth. Talk to you next time. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. If you're breaking a sweat trying to figure out what your financial advisor is talking about, you're not getting the service you need. You probably hate trying to get an answer from them, but you also think moving your accounts will be a headache, and it might be. But working with DontRockTheBoatWealthPlanning.com or .ru isn't exactly stress-free, is it? Call us. We will demystify the world for you. Vericon Capital Management Inc. is a registered portfolio manager in all. Vericon Capital Management Inc. is a registered portfolio manager in all of Canada except Manitoba. So sorry, Manitoba. Nothing in this podcast should be considered as a solicitation or a recommendation to buy or sell a particular security. Statements made by the portfolio managers are intended to illustrate their approach and are meant for information and entertainment purposes only. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of I Private Wealth Inc. I Private Wealth Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. I Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which I Private Wealth Inc. operates. This should not be construed as legal, tax, or campaign advice. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described herein, as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.